Are you waiting for everything to be perfect before you decide to enjoy life? Stop waiting. Start living. Welcome to Life in 22 Minutes with Scott and Becky McIntosh, where you will hear inspiring stories from imperfect people living life with courage, humor, and a whole lot of love, despite challenging circumstances to bring hope to your heart and a smile to your face in only 22 minutes. Now, let's welcome the host of the show, Scott and Becky McIntosh. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to Life in 22 Minutes. Got my co-host, Scott, sitting next to me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I am here. I am 100% here. And I have one of my bestest friends, Heidi Totten, sitting across the table from me. She is the executive director of 100 Humanitarians. She loves Kenya as her second home and the Maasai people. Not a day goes by that she doesn't talk to a member of the Maasai tribe, and she considers them family. She is known for kissing Maasai grandmothers and requesting chapati everywhere she goes. In her other life, she is a business and life strategist with a tender heart and a sense of humor. She homeschooled her children for five years, has written two best-selling books, and her favorite foods are chocolate and popcorn. <laughs> so welcome, Heidi. Thank you. Those it's great to be here. Whole foods. They are whole foods, and they're really good combined. <laughs> <laughs> Today, Heidi brought with her another guest that we will be interviewing, um, Moses Masai. He is a Maasai warrior from Kenya. So tune in next week to hear Moses' story, the real Maasai warrior. But Heidi, tell us what you're doing today. What is your main focus now? Well, 100 Humanitarians just passed its second year mark, and... The first two years were challenging trying to figure out what we wanted to do, you know, what kind of our core focus was. And we've narrowed it down to four specific things, one being the cultural center that we are working on building in Kenya. And I believe Moses is going to be talking about that more in depth. The second one is a Days for Girls enterprise that we support. And a couple of years ago, we helped our friend Christine go to Days for Girls University. She's a seamstress. She has a whole incredible story on her own. In fact, we should just haul all of this equipment to Kenya so that you can interview you her while, while you're there. Yeah. She, um, lives in, she lives in Kenya. She lives in Nairobi, yes. And she has her own sewing center and then added Days for Girls in. And so we do a lot of work with her specific enterprise. And up to this point, we have helped 435 girls stay in school uh, with Days for Girls kits. So that's been a big thing is that we've committed to being a part of that and helping her every year. And then school fees for, we currently support 18 children in Kenya, um, nine primary kids and nine secondary kids. And so we work on that. And then our, our business boxes for families program, and that includes a cow, a goat, chickens, garden boxes, and trees. And this year, our our big push has been the garden boxes. And it's been really cool to watch the transformation that it has made in these particular families because these garden boxes are feeding three or four families. And we introduced mm -hmm. garden boxes to the Maasai Mara. So there had been a few yeah. gardens here and there before, but this was the first time that they saw what was possible and that we mm -hmm. could fence it in and keep the animals out. And 
And so whenever I get pictures from these families of, oh, you know, we're eating kale out of our garden, I'm like, okay, all right, it's working. You know, yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, hold your breath. and. I, I got a really dumb question about the, the climate over there. I don't know this because I'm not a green thumb person, but here we plant in the spring as soon as the last frost is gone. And we, it grows for the first few months, and then we start to harvest for about a month, and then the frost hits, and it's done. Do these do plants that in their climate just continue to go all year, or does a plant have a lifespan? Well, it's close to the equator, so there isn't a huge variation of temperatures throughout the year. Our summer is their winter, and by winter, I mean 70 degrees. So for us, it would be... <laughs> balmy and for them they're in ski coats and sweaters mm-hmm. and stuff so you really can grow crops year round um they don't have seasons they have really it's more wet you know the rainy season the short rains the long rains and the dry season and so the challenge would be during the dry season to have enough water okay. for the crops but with crop rotation and with the different seasons it can grow and kale you know kale grows anywhere, year-round, everywhere. It's one of their primary vegetables. So you talked of uh, Days for Girls. What does that kit um, include? What does that mean? So Days for Girls is another organization, and they um, started when Celeste Mergens, who was their founder, was in Kenya and realized that these girls and these women did not have access to, to menstrual hygiene. You know, mm-hmm. So they just use whatever they possibly could. And if they didn't have anything, they would just sit home on cardboard boxes or whatever they needed to um, during their, their period. So, and so they missed school and it, that adds up. They didn't realize that life could go on during that. So especially if they were in school, if they continued to miss school month after month after month, then they would get really behind. And a lot of girls were dropping out because they were so far behind. And so she and her organization developed a reusable feminine hygiene kit made out of flannel. And it includes liners and pads. I mean, the, you know, the shields that Mm -hmm. would look like ours, only they're made out of fabric and then developed a a kit around it. Soap, uh, Ziploc bags, washcloths, so that they would be able to wash their kits discreetly in Mm -hmm. just gray water. And, and then it wouldn't be an embarrassment. It would keep them in school. And so the school that we've supported this year, it's a huge school just outside of Nairobi called Kayole and Christine's kids actually go Mm -hmm. there. Um, But it's gotten bigger and bigger because of the refugees. And so they had, when we, uh, we went in March and we actually visited the school and did a a workshop while we were there. And then we did another one in June. And when we were there in June, a whole group of girls from the Congo had joined the school. So it just Mm -hmm. keeps getting bigger and bigger. Their student teacher ratio is about a hundred kids to one teacher. So it's just crazy. But we have been able to take care of all of the seven, the Mm -hmm. class seven and eight, which is, you know, seventh and eighth grade here. Those girls this year have all received kits and none of them have missed school due to their menstrual cycle. That's beautiful. So that's, that's a, just a washable um, source. So they, they don't have stores that they can just go down to the corner convenience store and buy um, tampons or pads or things like that. That that horrible journey that my wife sent me on when we were first married and about embarrassed me to death, right? Every male's gone through that at one point. Yeah, but you've got so many daughters now. <laughs> it does, like this doesn't phase me now, but, but it did. Um, yeah. There there are pads that are accessible. It's the financial okay. resources required. And, and a lot of what these girls face 
which is really horrific, is school administrators keeping pads in their office and exchanging them for sexual favors. Oh. So it's it really is something that we can't fathom that happening um, because of what we have access to. But for them, it's literally life-changing. And Christine's story is the story of Days for Girls. She yeah. didn't have access, and she would go, and she would literally sit in a cornfield and just bleed. And she... Uh, was so embarrassed she couldn't talk to her father about it and she ended up being kicked out of the house and ended up in the Kabir slums as a prostitute and pregnant at 14 and so her passion associated with this is really powerful because it's her story and this is her way of being able to solve the problem that she Mm -hmm. went through right wow So we're happy to support that. Yes. And one thing about 100 humanitarians, we don't put together groups here in the U.S. to make these days for girls kits. Right. We pay Christina and her women that make them so that the money stays into their country. Yeah. Christine actually has um, five or six women that work for her sewing the kits. And they all are girls that she, a lot of them are single moms that she recruited out of the Cabarrus slums that were in the same mm-hmm. position. And so when we take a kit over, we're taking literally food off their table. What we like to do we have these we host these parties called mandalas and munchies where basically it's get your girlfriends together spend some time coloring bring some munchies and bring a donation for a couple of kits and then we send them over to Christine because when Christine makes them it feeds her family it feeds yeah. these five families and then it also just keeps the economic development in Kenya which that's our big focus is helping people with economic development and then you mentioned a cultural center Mm-hmm. And I know when I was back in Kenya last November, we had the groundbreaking ceremony mm-hmm. of the cultural center. So tell our audience what that all entails. Well, that was a really fun event. Um, having Lamarty there and mm-hmm. Resh and Saningo and um, Jeff and... Uh, These are well-known Kenya singers. Yeah, they're all, they're Maasai and Samburu and they were a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun with them. Um, at that time, we had a fence. We now have a guardhouse. We've hired mm-hmm. a guard. We have architectural plans that we have, you know, been able to go through and really work with the architect. I've met the architect twice as well as the construction manager. And it's always evolving. Um, it's interesting people who come with us to Kenya and actually stand on the cultural center land together as a team, mm-hmm. feel a really powerful energy there and a really strong impression about the work that, that that cultural center is going to do. And so at this point, it's fundraising. It's all fundraising to get it built and have it start serving the community. And there are things that are uh, revenue generators for the cultural center so that it can be self-sustaining as well that we're working on. Um, but yeah, that's our next step is to fundraise and get it built and start working on it. It's, it's really interesting because the land is surrounded by five different conservancies. And so it's beautiful and it's right off the main road. So there's no way that you're going to miss it. And millions of tourists come through there. So it will, I think, have a bigger impact than we even realize as we seek to preserve the Maasai culture. And, you know, as we provide a place where students from all over the world will be able to come and they'll be able to study the Maasai and learn from them and also the animals. So it will be a great place for learning and growth for people all over. 
this is a great vision that you that started out as a vision that's now working its way to a reality. Yeah, it started out in a grocery store. <laughs> Moses and I just had some paper and started drawing mm-hmm. some pictures, and and that was two years ago. So it's okay, I'm going in uh, November. What are, what are you going to have me doing? Oh, well, that's a surprise. <laughs> no surprises. Let's hear it. What do I need? I just want so to know what to bring. One of the Your things muscles. that, yeah, yes, one of the things that we're really excited about doing that um, we're working on is uh, these business boxes for families. We've identified families specifically that we're working with and we're going deep with. So they know we're coming back so that they're stewards over what we've already given them and we can really help them and mentor them and then they can pay it forward. And one of the women, Becky, you actually met her last year, Natana. Mm-hmm. Um, we were able to give her a cow. And then in on our March trip, we were able to give her a goat. But she wants to move her house. And the women mm-hmm. usually build their own huts. And so um, most of her village has moved. And so she wanted to move prior to getting garden boxes in the next step. And so we get to help Natana build a house. Wow. So we're going to actually... Um, be participating with in that. So, and this it, is the dung hut. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. it'll be like the dirty dash will yeah. be like getting really muddy. Really dirty. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things mm-hmm. that we'll do. We'll be building a couple more garden boxes, water systems. So that's one of our next steps as well is to, for our families that have the tin roofs, the mm-hmm. iron sheet roofs, we can set up gutters and tanks and be able to store water so that when it's during the dry season in Kenya, um, right. they have a way to store any extra water. So the water so. that comes off the roof gets picked up and goes to mm-hmm. a tub and gets utilized. Yes. And we also, it's been really great. Last year, we um, did some work in Bomet County as well. And we do have a family that came with us that is actually living in Bomet County and they are implementing a pay it forward. So the people that have... This is an American family. This is an American family, Mm -hmm. um, the McMurdo's, Jen and Forrest McMurdo, and they have actually been mentoring. They've been over there for about three months and they've been working with our families over there and have gotten to the point where two of the women are ready to train the next families and build mm-hmm. garden boxes for them. So that's been kind of our thing is let's train the you know core families in different villages and then teach them how to mentor so that it's paid forward so that it's not just Americans coming in, but it's they see the vision and they expand on it. And that's what's mm-hmm. happened and it's been really beautiful. So how many expeditions have you taken? Well, I've been on eight <laughs> and November eight will be in, my in ninth. two years. Um, Almost three years. Yeah, almost three years. So the first one I went with Ideal Life Vision and Mm -hmm. then saw, you know, where I could contribute and make some changes in other communities. And so, and especially because I homeschooled my kids, I take a lot of homeschooled kids over there. And then the second one, I went on a scouting trip, but I consider both, you know, both Mm -hmm. of those are expeditions that I went on, but I've actually taken people on six. And so November will be number seven. And then we have three planned for next year. One in, well, actually we have six, but I'm only going on three, but Mm -hmm. we're partnering with other organizations Mm -hmm. that want to work on the cultural center. They want to be a part of that. And so in February and June and November. Wow. Yeah. And you mentioned you're a mother. I am. Homeschooled your kids. You have Mm -hmm. a a boy and a girl. Yes. 14 and 11. My 11 year old has been to Kenya with Mm me on three expeditions. She was a joy to have Mm -hmm. with us. Will she be joining us this November? Nope. Because she's in school. 
So they started at a at a charter school. They wanted to try that. Well, my daughter wanted to try it out. My son was violently against it. But now he said, if if you have to go to school, I guess this is okay. So, um, <laughs> so we're trying that out this year. But you know, she feels like she owns Kenya, and is mm-hmm. I think she's kind of the Maasai's mascot. She is. So <laughs> they're yeah. gonna miss not having her with us That's when true. we go. Yeah. Do you meet resistance there that are thinking that these white people are coming in and trying to shove their culture down their throat? No. The Maasai are a very loving, loving people. I mean, they hug you like crazy. If there have been problems with that, which I'm sure that there have, they're still very open to learning and to growing and they just want to connect. You know, they're very, I've never felt, the resistance is really the the own internal opposition that mm-hmm. I go through of, can I really do this? And mm-hmm. am I really doing any good? You know, that, and that I think mm-hmm. is universal for anyone that's doing this type of work is to say, is this really having any impact? And and then it's like the starfish, you know? I was just thinking the starfish story. <laughs> I, did, I almost didn't bring so, it up. It's such a cliche, but then you think, well, there are four families, you know, that yeah. are eating vegetables on the Masai Mara. And when I see those faces, I'm like, okay, it's worth it just for them, you know, even if it's not a big, huge thing that's affecting thousands of people, it's affecting them and that impacted one family. And that means that that one family has seen the world differently. And really that's mm-hmm. all you can do. So when we went back last November, we went to the auction of where they the purchased the cows. We wanted to, to see from the start to, to finish how this, this process, we wanted to document that. So we mm-hmm. went to where they, they auction and we've, we had some resistance there because they'd never had women <laughs> attend that auction yeah. and uh, they had to make a phone call to uh, one of the government officials or something. He said, get no, permission. Uh, 100 humanitarians, uh, they have our okay, <laughs> go ahead and let them take part. So we saw that process. And so they buy a cow and then hire a young teen, $10 or something to walk the cow from Nairobi to the to the Maasai village, which is well, like Narek. about a, a Narek, yeah. Okay, okay. And I'm that's like that would be a, a really, be a really long, long, long walk, but it's still like two days. Or, yeah, or, it's a few days. Yeah, it's walk. not a walk I would want to make. And for then sure. deliver it to the village, and then mm-hmm. we went to the village that had the cow delivered, mm-hmm. and we visited villages that had had a cow previously delivered, mm-hmm. and saw you know their gratitude and and how it was making a difference. Yeah, the trip right after yours, we went to a market and actually bought a goat and it was hilarious. We (laughs) put it in the back of the Jeep Mm -hmm. and then took it to the family and named the goat. And then I saw Mm -hmm. the goat last June and the goat was pregnant. Actually, not pregnant. The goat had a baby goat. Mm -hmm. So we're seeing generations of animals as well as, you know, (laughs) like working with these families. And so, yeah, it's really, it's gratifying to be able to go back, work with the same families. They know we're coming back. They're excited to see us. They know our names. And the people that go go with me to Kenya, I mean, in November, I think I calculated that that like 70% of the people going on the November trip have been to Kenya with me all on different trips, you know? So they, mm-hmm. this is like a, an alumni, <laughs> alumni trip. So people who do go, go back and because they're invested in these families as well and they get to know them and it just kind of bonds everyone. So, yeah. And how can people get involved and contribute? 
Um, 100humanitarians.com. I've got everything on there, mm-hmm. <laughs> all of the information. So there's a way to contribute monthly. There's a way to contribute one time. Uh, you can contribute to a specific pillar of sorts, you know, if it's Days for Girls or if it's the Garden Box or School Fees or the Cultural Center, you can pick and choose. And so that's the best way. And then we have a Facebook group that where I post everything. So I'm I'm all about transparency and everything that we do goes on that page. So basically it's like you buy a kit, Christine sends me pictures sewing the kit, then she sends me pictures delivering the kit. And occasionally we have you know, cows delivered to families that are further out that makes it difficult just because they're so pastoral. Mm -hmm. And so if the cow is delivered and then the cow is out to pasture, it's kind of hard to take a picture with them. You know, (laughs) they they need to eat and sometimes that can happen. So, but for the most part, um, everything we do is very well documented so people can see where their money goes. So where did the name 100 Humanitarians come from? Really the whole focus of 100 Humanitarians is to answer the question was, what is the power of 100 people working on any project in the world to create positive change? So this is the first project. And I know that there are other people that have their passion and projects that they've come to me and said, how do I do this? So we actually have been mentoring and helping Steve and Liz Stone who launched Empowering the One and they want to do work with kids in Haiti. You know, and so we're starting to mentor other humanitarian organizations to create other organizations so that that they fulfill their mission and purpose as well. And what is your background, your education? I have a degree in family science from BYU, go Cougars. (laughs) And so, and I never thought I'd use that degree. So that's kind of funny. And then I moved to Washington, D.C., where I was a, a technical recruiter for 15 years and then did some recruiting here in Utah as well. And then was a mom for four years where that was my biggest focus. And then I went crazy. And so then I started being a business consultant. And so I mostly sales, marketing, technology, but also teaching people how to manifest the, the things that they want in their life and business as well. And it's you're been a fun journey. one of those things. Yes. And it has been quite a journey and it's been fun watching you. Thank you. Well, I look forward to uh, spending more time with you in Kenya in November. Yeah, you guys have to be in my Jeep. (laughs) Oh, for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Not my Jeep. (laughs) Yeah, I'm excited. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. It's been wonderful. And again, that's 100humanitarians.com. Thanks for listening to Life in 22 Minutes. If you liked what you heard, tell your friends about us and please subscribe to us on iTunes and leave a review. Your review will help us to broaden our audience. Until next time, don't wait for things to be perfect. Get out there and live life with courage, humor, and a whole lot of love.